Hey, um, we have a new president elect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would clap, but oh. <laughs> my hands are right. I'll, I'll, I'll do some clapping. In, insert Yay. audience <laughs> clapping. Sound <laughs> effects. Uh, what a relief, huh? Yeah. All right. So, um, let's just, I mean, like, I guess we'll just talk about you know, our, our thoughts off the cuff, right? Like, we didn't script this one. We don't have any show notes. We're just t- talking about the election. How exciting. How uh, exciting. As a Canadian, congratulations to the USA. <laughs> As outsiders, we are so happy to work with normal president instead of the other one now. Trudeau already, like, I think he was one of the, the first national leaders. Not the first, but one of the first to congratulate Biden on his win. <laughs> that was nice. That was nice to yes. see. Yes. Yes. And congratulated Kamala, who... Is a Montrealer. She, I mean, she's not born in Montreal, but she moved here at age 12 with her mom, who is a prominent researcher at McGill University in Montreal. Um, she, her mom worked on breast cancer uh, research that was groundbreaking. And yeah, Kamala graduated from high school uh, at Westmount High, which is right across from where my kid's pediatrician, stone's throw away from where my kid's pediatrician office was. So I see her and I see a, a Montrealer, but also, First woman in the highest ranking office in the USA. And I think how, how fitting, how fitting that a woman who's made it that high, who's broken this record for all women is a black woman. I think that nothing could be more representative. And, you know, just the shoulders that as a nation for the Democrats to even be elected, um, the black community really showed up. And we stand on, everyone stands on their shoulders to have achieved that. Like the party won because the black voters showed up and they voted for Biden and Kamala. And I'm so proud of her and I'm so excited. And I, I don't know, it just, it made me so happy to see that historical record broken. I think woman president should have been here already. I'm frustrated that we're not here already, but it was exciting to see Kamala hit VP. And I know you were, Nate, when 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 they announced it officially i was on the phone with you yeah that was um i did not expect to react the way that i reacted um i i like i saw the head well the the notification from the ap came up on my phone and i i I was having a little bit of a a, some relationship issues with the ap because of what they did with arizona so i thought you know what i'm not going to trust them let me open up the new york times and uh when i when i saw the headline on the new york times when i saw the the 273 that number um i i like my knees buckled i fell to the floor and i just started sobbing like i mean the that that feeling for four years of of fear sadness embarrassment rage anger just every day having to deal with and it wasn't even like past presidents who would shut up and not be dominating headlines for maybe a few days here and there every fucking day this guy so (laughs) like it it felt i don't know it's like a valve release like i know there's still a lot of work to be done you know, um, the and 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 Biden was not my candidate of choice, but I still voted for him in the general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm I'm content with with him now, and I know that we do need to hold him accountable as Americans. But oh, what a release! What a release! 
Yeah. It feels good. Yeah. It feels, it feels good. It was so nice to wake up um, and check my phone. I've been trying to stay away from news because I feel like this week has been hard enough with everything going on um, that I, I was like taking a news break and I wasn't looking at the news until really the end of the day. Um, and so I woke up yesterday, was it? Yeah. Yesterday morning and took a look at um, my phone and New York Times had posted it. And I was like, oh, my God. <sighs> like, right. just relief. Like, don't have to worry about this anymore. We're, like, back to being, like, the America that I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, Which isn't, it's not perfect. No. It's broken in so many ways. Absolutely. But it's the America that I grew up in. And, yeah. you know, I grew up in an area where, it, I mean, my county voted red. Like, my county was red. And um, I know that there are many people in my hometown that supported Trump and many people in my county that supported him. And I was like, you know what? That's okay. Like, they believed in something that he had to offer and we're going to do a better job of, you know, convincing them that this is, this, this can be good for them too. What I really yeah. liked about all of the posts that I kept seeing, there were a lot of posts that were like gloaty, like, haha, like rub it in your face, you know, people who voted for Trump. But overwhelmingly, the positivity that I've seen has just been so refreshing. Like I saw a video, my sister posted it and it was like, we're going to give Republicans what they deserve. And then everyone was cheering. And then it was like, we're going to give Republicans free universal health care. <laughs> we're going to give them great public schools. <laughs> like, and, and like everybody was like, yeah, like everybody deserves rights. Like, and people were like, like cheering and screaming. It was amazing because yeah. like at the end of the day, like it's nice to rub it in their face and to be like, ha, like told you so, but it was really fucking close. And mm -hmm. I want to be on the side of like bringing people back together. And I yeah. think Biden does too. And that's what I like. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get a chance, Vicky, to hear his speech uh, yesterday night that he gave? I didn't, but my sister, uh, my Emily watched it and it brought her to tears. So it's on my list, but I didn't watch it. Yeah. Kamala's I, mean, I was gonna say Nate I was gonna just sorry that is exactly the direction I was going babe go ahead yeah I, I was just thinking like I mean Biden's speech was good and what was what was great about his speech was that it, it did have that unifying aspect and he called together some religious uh, symbolism that I think is helpful because I, I think he recognizes that um, the Trump's supporter base um, are are by and large um, conservative Christians. So by calling on religious imagery, by quoting a, an old hymn, uh, by quoting some scripture accurately, I might add, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it, 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 it showed that he, he recognizes that he's trying to, um, to reach out to other Americans. But what really I think stood out to me, and it was a shorter speech, but, um, Kamala's kind of brought me to tears, but I, th I think, and I'd have to go back and, and listen to the speech again, but I, I was just caught, I think I was more caught up in the feeling of a woman, a biracial woman, 
a daughter of immigrants in the second highest office in the land who is up there talking to Americans eloquently and and ca- like with care, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, again, also, she wasn't, she wasn't my, the pick that I was super excited about um, when it came to to the nominee like i i was hoping that biden would have picked somebody like stacy abrams um but kamala Who did still- so much oh stacy abrams did so much yeah. in georgia i heard she had like she helped register eight hundred thousand votes of yeah. people who would have been otherwise uh cast off and you know with all of the voter suppression going on she she helped make sure voices were heard in georgia and that that state people were waiting on till the last second to see where which direction it was going to go and yeah. yeah. To cut you off, what a phenomenal woman. And yeah. There's yeah. a lot of people behind the scenes that made that made this happen. Mm-hmm. And you're sorry, Nia, I'm so cutting you, but Kamala, her speech, at one point she was like, all the, she, part of her speech that really hit me was when she was talking about all the women who worked to secure and protect the right to vote. Women who fought and sacrificed so much for equality and liberty and justice for all including the black women who are often too often overlooked, but so often prove they are the backbone of our democracy. All the women who have worked to secure and protect the right to vote for over a century, 100 years ago with the 19th Amendment, 55 years ago with the Voting Rights Act, and now in 2020 with a new generation of women in our country who cast their ballots and continued the fight for their fundamental right to vote and be heard. She had some really powerful moments in her speech that were just yeah. Um, yeah. hard-hitting. I, I still get chills hearing some of those words. It's I know it's only it's only been a day. Um, I do have a couple <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> um so of course it's like fresh. It's still it's still it still gets me. Um, I have a couple of thoughts because I had I had some conversations today um, that were interesting that were kind of challenging my um, my feelings and my thoughts. Um, so um, after church, I was uh, talking with a, a friend of mine um, who's uh, who's a black woman, and she was she was incredibly optimistic. Um, which my, my gut reaction to some of what she was saying was like, um, Trump gained 5 million more votes over 2016. Like, what are you talking about? I think 7.5 million votes over 2016. So, um, yeah, like, so the point being, he gained quite a few more votes over 2016. Um, he should have lost supporters. That's what he should have done. Yeah. Wait, yeah. wait, Nate, finish your thought, because I have some Sorry. thoughts on this, too. Um, but what she pointed out was that um, it it's overwhelming when we think, like, almost half the country voted for Trump. Um, but it's... It, it, is it true that almost half the country is so hateful and so incredibly racist? And... Now, like my my perspective is is 
changing a little bit. There are certain things that kind of annoy me. Uh, so one, I was listening to NPR and they were interviewing this woman. Um, I, I don't remember what borough, but but in one of the boroughs in um, in New York City, and um, she had said that she voted for Trump, but she didn't really care either way. She just thought Trump would win and wants to, to vote for the winning candidate. And she's like, oh, and she's Spanish uh, or, or um, Hispanic. So she was speaking in Spanish and they translated. Um, and that was annoying. Um, but that's not, that doesn't characterize somebody who just, you know, wants to own the libs. Um, and then the other thing that, that, um, that my friend mentioned was like that to, to us, to those of us who, who didn't vote for Trump, maybe we should look at this as people have deeply seated fears that haven't been addressed. Mm -hmm. And Trump showed up as a potential solution to those fears. And what if each one of us talked to somebody that we know personally who has those fears and walked them through and, and addressed those fears that, that so, so, I don't know. Maybe, maybe for me, that's something that that needs to that needs to shift and change and grow. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. yeah. Anyways, I love that. I ab I absolutely love that, and I totally agree. And I think that you know, um, empathy is so important because people are multidimensional, and it's not just a black and white like, oh, all Trump supporters are racist, like misogynistic um, white men who live in Alabama or similar states. Like there are people who voted for Trump who by and large are regular middle-class voters who are not very involved in the political system, but they see Trump on everything. He is a media mogul as at this point. He has been the headline of every major news source for every single day for the past four years. So if you don't know who to vote for and you're not very involved, you know who the president is and the incumbent is more likely to win than not, you're going to vote for Trump. Yep. And that doesn't require any thought, any research. You don't have to think mm -hmm. about it. So it makes sense to me why that woman was like, yeah, I don't really care. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. It also speaks to her faith in our democracy because... As weird as it sounds, she believes that the country's going to be fine, regardless of who she votes for, regardless <laughs> yeah. of who wins. Yeah. This country's better than, you know, a lot of other places that I know. So it doesn't really matter who I vote for because it's going to be fine. And I spoke to a lot of people who are immigrants, who are scientists, who come to this country to do science through my job. And they're like confused by and large that it wasn't such a big blue wave initially but also they're like you know especially people who came from the middle east or from southeast asia they're like this isn't that bad <laughs> like <laughs> there's it's scary and we understand that like this is probably the first time for a lot of you especially white people that you felt unsafe in your country but by and large it's going to be okay. America has like a really strong democracy, a really strong constitution, a really strong just civic system in general, and it will hold. And when I heard that, I was like, at first I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. And then I was like, wait, actually they do. Like people who escaped like civil war in other countries, like they probably know something about civil war. So um, I don't know. I think 
empathy is important. I think education is especially important. And I really like your idea of reaching out to people who may not agree with you and just listening to what they're afraid of. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that's been hitting me a lot this year, I mean, I have a lot of white family that vote for Trump most of my American family, and I have a lot of American family, so my cousins, people posting on Facebook that are my family members, writing about, you know, their support of Trump. Um, and what what I've noticed, so like, I don't want to say, hey, you know, you're if you're if you vote for Trump, you're racist. I know that's not true. I also think one of the bigger problems that I've been wrapping my head around is that racism is often made to be, and I really want to like just quickly throw this out there because we're talking about black president, we're talking about Trump and, and the accusations of racism for people who vote for him. But racism is often, um, I think it was when Amy Coney Barrett was being sworn in, uh, someone made the statement, and I think they were a Republican senator, and they said like, And I know for someone unaccustomed to it that it hurts to be called a racist. I think it's one of the worst things you can call an American. I know that it hurts to be called a white colonialist. And I know it must hurt for someone of deep Christian faith like yourself to be called a religious bigot. This is the problem. Racism is not something like I'm a KK member and I hate all black people and and immigrants or I don't. It is an, an issue that is nuanced. It, it, it rev- And I think when you grow up in society where you are the dominant culture, there's stuff that's just embedded that you don't notice in yourself. Like you don't see it. You don't notice your own prejudices. It's not intentional. It's not um, like you set out to hate people, but you've been taught to fear certain people. You've been taught to have impressions of certain people. And there's stuff that you need to undo and you need to become aware of. So I think that one of those things that really um, shuts people down to even discussing politics is when you come at someone thinking, well, you voted for Trump, you're racist. And I think some of the Trump supporters probably feel that, oh, you're just going to tell me because you're liberal that I'm racist. And, And like I was having this discussion with a friend and it's like, as white people, we all have layers of racism to us. And the more we're scared, like, don't label me racist, or the more we use that title without kind of digging in a little bit in the more ways that it actually affects us all, um, without those actual discussions, which is sort of shut down lines of your racist, it doesn't help to, to start to have those conversations mm-hmm. on what does that look like? It doesn't mean you're part of the clan. <laughs> it could literally mean, like, you lock your doors when you see a group of black people walking by you. That's what racism looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, it, racism could look like voting for policies that mass incarcerate black people in the USA. Yeah. You know, it's it's things that, you know, nobody wants to be labeled racist. But I think what we need to have discussions around is exactly that. The more nuanced conversations that highlight how certain populations that aren't white are harmed and mm-hmm. why we need to care. And why we need to think through the coded language even. People don't even recognize what the dog whistles sound like. They don't know that when when Trump says, you know, uh, we're going to keep the suburbs safe. Um, yeah. the co- what, what he's actually saying is we're going to make sure black people don't move into your neighborhood without saying that. Nobody right. wants to say that out loud who's fearful, who's been taught. Like one of the things I've noticed when I look at the map of red and blue, there are certain demographic issues that you see right away. Republican voting tends to go on not in the cities. It, that's a reality, the suburbs. Yep. And when you look at the, the reality of where black people versus white people live, that's also a reality mm-hmm. that you have a higher concentration, a multi, multi-ethnic, multi-ethnicity going on in your cities 
and not in your suburbs. So if you're not growing up around people that are diverse, it's harder to like imagine in your head that you're that they're like you. They're your like my son grew up and his best friend is Muslim. And this is in Canada, but he had an uncle come to him and talk to him about how, you know, you should worry about Muslim terrorism, you know, especially post 9-11, kind of trying to give the scary Muslim perspective. And my son, whose best friend is Muslim, was like, nah, I'm sorry. Like, I yeah. don't, I don't, mm-hmm. it doesn't but, mesh but with does, what I know. But does it, like, do you think about confronting that uncle and asking him, like, why are you afraid of Muslims? Do you want to talk about that? And those mm. conversations happen. Thankfully, he's, you know, he's Canadian and he's not a Trump supporter, although his siblings are. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, that conversation still happened. Yes, it was, a com- it, was a, it was a good conversation, but they had my son, actually, was the one engaging in that. And I'm very glad that I've raised him at least with enough of, you know, and that he's had. But if he hadn't had that diverse experience... Right. I, I don't know how yeah. he would have been able to answer that and not not just latched on to fear. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Right. I, I think there's no there's absolutely no way that anyone can change their opinions out of uh, someone like forcing I, their ideas onto them. I think there has to be some sort of like, mm-hmm. you're my friend, like we're going to connect on something that's not this divisive issue or you're my family member or like, let's connect over like, I don't know, like you like coffee, I like coffee, like whatever it is. And then slowly introduce those ideas over time yeah. but the but the conversation i i really strongly believe this cannot start at like we need to talk about anti-black racism i'm going to call my uncle who voted for trump tomorrow and let's <laughs> right. sit down and right. have this conversation yeah, yeah. um yep. which i don't think is what you were getting at gail but i just no, want i just want to like emphasize that for people who are listening who are like okay good idea like l- now i'm gonna talk to my dad about Ibram X Kendi. Like now that the <laughs> right. time is right, I'm safe. Yeah. Um, which is great. Like do that, but like first tell your dad that like you love him and that maybe you want to like <laughs> like go watch a movie with him first. Is all that's all I'm saying. Do you think though that maybe the election and election season should be more of an opportunity for us to take advantage of these I mean I, or or at least that opportunities are presented around election season for these conversations to take place. Um, because people have just voted um you know so uh like we could we you could say like hey you know if if you're able to just for whoever's listening if you're able to say um hey who did you vote for why did you vote for that person what are those and then those those conversations will come up no yeah you're shaking your head no not happening i totally think that uh in the moat, like if you're gonna have a blowout fight with someone right (laughs) yeah and then the fight is over 10 minutes after the fight being like, so you want to talk about why you're wrong is like never the right thing to do. That's fair. I think we need to, and I'm not saying that it's a bad idea. I I like where you're coming from, but I think in terms of like psychology and like thinking about how people operate, like they're licking their wounds right now. A lot of them are in denial of what's happening. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Oh, that's, need, and that's obvious. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be drawn out for a while with <laughs> Trump, you know, trying to contest everything and claim there's election fraud and right. trying to undermine yeah. the democracy. Yeah. It's going to be a while. Absolutely. I think now is a great time to tell your parents, tell your uncles and your aunts and your cousins and your brothers and sisters who voted for Trump that you love them. Mm, and leave yeah, it there very true and then very once true. those relationships are repaired bring them into the fold and tell them all about social justice and like maybe if you're <laughs> christian like how jesus was really into social justice i don't know just an idea like <laughs> yeah you know hey. and then slowly a little at a time we bring him over to this side but you're not going to yeah. get it done and trump i think 
proved this. You're not yeah. going to get it done by insulting people. No, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I'm not a Trumper after being insulted, like, year after right. year. So, right. yeah. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Um, well, this, uh, this election is almost in the books. There's still a lot to come. Um, you know, we've got the runoffs in Georgia. We've got, uh, we've got the ele election still needs to go to the electoral college. Uh, it still needs to be certified and, uh, Trump's lawsuits still have to play out. So that's fun. But, um, buckle your seatbelts. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a little <laughs> yeah. bit of a bumpy ride, but you know what? These are conversations that you usually are not supposed to have at the dinner table about politics, but we're having them yeah. because that's what we're about. Oh yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thanks for joining us for this uh, for this bonus episode. Um, our our next episode is going to be coming out very shortly, uh, so stay tuned for that. And um, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you on the next episode of Don't Repeat This. I'm Nate. I'm Gail. And I'm Vicky. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.